Aloha. You are listening to the Dangerous Love Podcast. I'm your host, Chad Ford. Today, Jamie Asante Asare, Director of Operations for Peace Players, a nonprofit organization that brings together people from divided backgrounds through the game of basketball, is with us today. I've spoken a lot about peace players in past podcasts, so you may want to go back. I'm not going to do a deep dive back into what they do today. But Jamie is a longtime collaborator with me on projects with peace players, and I wanted to bring her on today to talk about what dangerous love looks like in the context of organizations and organizational culture and specifically, how do you implement these strategies throughout an organization? Not just in a family, not just in a community setting, but throughout an organization. And and Jamie is really well situated to begin that conversation with us today. She started uh, actually as a basketball player at LaSalle University where she holds the record for all-time three-point shot attempts and was a fantastic basketball player, but after her basketball playing career was over in college, she wanted to use sport to make a difference and joined Peace Players as a fellow in the Middle East where she served for several years in that project, working with Palestinians and Israelis in Israel. After that, she moved into the front office in Peace Players Middle East, um, working on a number of projects there before ultimately transitioning to Washington, D.C., where she became the director of operations for peace players, primarily handling organizational culture within the organization. And and her task before her was how do you take the culture that is so prevalent on the ground with peace players where people are seeing each other as people and practicing inside-outside transformation and collaboration and replicate it in the workplace? And that's the project that we've been on for the last couple of years That project deeply influenced um, portions of my book, Dangerous Love, uh, both the participants and peace players and the organizational work. And Jamie has been just phenomenal in doing that work. And so, Jamie, welcome to the podcast. And I want to start by going back a little bit and talking about your journey. Why did you choose this type of work? Why, Why get involved in peace building And what was that impact on you working in that project in the Middle East? Sure. Um, Thank you for that intro. It was very kind and generous. Um, I, you know, I I loved basketball. Basketball was my entire life. Um, And I think towards the end of my college career, I kind of came to the point where I was ready to to move on from it um, in terms of playing. Um, I was always really interested in in other cultures um, and in other countries. And I had never, never really traveled at all. I, I went to college um, 35 minutes from where I grew up. And a lot of my inspiration just came from my family and my brother had traveled a lot. And I saw kind of what that did for, for his life. And I, I knew I had a lot of growth ahead of me. Um, and so I was looking for our opportunities to volunteer and it was less about basketball, but more trying to, find, you know, a way to, to do something good and to give back. Um, and that's kind of how I came across peace players. And, um, it was just really about me wanting, you know, I was almost finished college and I really wanted to, uh, 
to expand my knowledge and kind of just get out of my comfort zone. And so when I found out about Peace Players and I saw this connection um, for what I wanted to do in a social sense and that it, I could use my basketball background to kind of leverage and, and give me, you know, a little bit of a um, an up into getting this role, this fellowship, I, I decided to go for it. Um, and I was really scared. <laughs> I was super nervous. I didn't know anyone, but I also thought that, you know, if, if I want to grow and learn, like you have to, you have to take chances. Um, and so the only, I say the only thing I was more scared of than going was, was not going. I didn't want to regret it. And I thought it was this amazing organization, amazing opportunity. Um, so I just kind of took the leap and said, here we go. Let's see how this goes. Jamie, after returning from the Middle East to work with Peace Players Global, your role You've worn a lot of hats for peace players, but I want to talk about one in particular around how to implement culture and thinking about dangerous love and culture and and values within an organization. Because we've talked a lot in previous podcasts about how you apply this at home or how you apply this at the social political level where, where peace players is actually doing a lot of work. But there's been a lot of interest in peace players and figuring out how the same sort of values that we teach on the ground look in the workplace. And so I thought maybe it would be helpful for our listeners to be able to think about if you're thinking about the values of dangerous love, what they would actually look like in the workplace. So maybe you could talk about the values that peace players holds and and then some of the work that we've been doing to implement those values in the workplace. Sure. Yeah. So the, um, we have three core values at peace players. So the first one is, um, seeing people as people, right. And what, what that essentially means is just seeing the humanity in others, understanding that and believing that others, um, you know, goals, challenges, objectives, fears are matter just as much as our own, not more and not less, but as much as, as, as our own. Um, and I think, you know, our next value is culture of collaboration, especially at Peace Pillars. We're an organization of, of um, many different people from, from different countries, from different religions, from different backgrounds. Um, and that, you know, what we're able to do together is greater than what we could do um, by ourselves. And just like the, how much value there is in diversity um, and having a group of people at the table um, and, and what that brings, what an organization is able to do with that rather than just, you know, uh, people from a, the same background um, in a room making decisions. Um, and then the third one is inside out transformation. And I definitely think I think of dangerous love a lot for all of these, but especially when I think of inside out transformation and it's, um, you know, being the change that we want to see and it's, it's looking inward and um, doing things that are really hard, right. In dangerous love. Um, and in peace players, we talk about like turning first and, you know, when there's issues or when there's conflict, just being able to identify our own role in it. And, um, you know, as, as you say, loving dangerously. Um, and as we say, like, being able to turn our chair first as, as peace players and, you know, the background um, and work that we've done with Arbinger. And, and so I think these three values um, really align with, with dangerous love and kind of just the, the mission and goals of our organization. Um, I will say, Oh, sorry, go ahead. I want to, I want to like 
break down each of those values for a minute and sort of think about, okay, what does that actually look like in the workplace? But I want to start by thinking about what those actually look like on the ground for peace players, right? Because a lot of these values were derived by our work from the ground, bringing Israelis and Palestinians together, bringing Catholics and Protestants together in Northern Ireland, bringing uh, Turkish Cypriots and Greek Cypriots together uh, in, in Cyprus. And each of these concepts was a critical factor in peace players working on the ground, right? So it started with seeing people's people. At the basic level, this idea that the people that are divided, right? Whether they're Israelis, Palestinians, Greek, Greek Cypriots, Turkey Cypriots, they don't see each other as people. And basketball was a space to be able to bring them together on the court and help them see each other as people. The inside-outside transformation was the process that we really started implementing through a curriculum in Peace Players that says, instead of looking externally at all of our conflict and, and sort of blaming it on the other side, which is typically what sort of happens in the socio-political space, I look inward, right? I start to think about inwardly, like what sort of attitudes or uh, ideas do I bring to the table that might actually exacerbate or make the conflict um, worse? E even our young participants and peace players learn about collusion and, and the process of collusion and, and what makes that work. And we play fun games with them, you know, during the curriculum to do that. And then collaborative problem solving. And one of the things I love about sports is that it is collaborative problem solving, right? The offense is trying to solve the defense. The defense is trying to solve the offense. Our young leaders and peace players have to learn how to work together. They have to learn how to communicate on the court. They have to learn to, get to work together as a team. They have to put aside their political differences, their ethnic differences, uh, their religious differences, and, and, and find ways to work together. And all of that adds up into something like really special. And, and all of those concepts are running throughout Dangerous Love as well, in part because I've been really deeply influenced by seeing this work so effectively at Peace Players. But when it comes to thinking about it at an organizational level, right, let's just break these down one by one and start with what does seeing people as people look like in an organizational sense? Sure. And I, and I just like the one other, everything you said, um, you know, is so true and it applies to our work on the ground. And I think at Peace Players, it took us a little while to realize, you know, if we're asking our youth and our kids to be brave and to do all these things, how can we not then do them as, as staff members? And, you know, we're one of the things we pride ourselves on is that we're locally run and locally managed. And so a lot of the issues, um, that our, our youth faces and, and, you know, within the context and cultures that they're born, like, so does our staff members, um, you know, we're, we're an extension of them as, as well. Um, and so it, it took us a little while longer to learn that, like, it was, it was just as, as important, if not more, that we are, we're doing that as well um, from, from an organizational standpoint. And it, it took us a lot of, you know, a lot of learnings, um, and, you know, we're not perfect, but we've, I think we've definitely gotten better at it um, over the years. And I think, you know, in terms of seeing people as people, I think within an organizational sense, it's, 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 it's not just, um, you know, through the relationships that you build, which are, which are relationships are so core to peace players. Everybody at peace players will say like, it's more than just a job, right? We're family, we're a team, um, but it's being able to see what your coworkers are going through, the challenges that they're facing, both professionally and personally, um, whether it's you know uh, 
with a certain a certain task or something um, objective, but then really understanding that like everybody has challenges. So if you know you have to hold each other accountable, but also understanding that there are things that happen outside of work and going to people um, and asking questions and being inquisitive and caring about these things um, are are important. Um, and whether we're asking the kids to do it or we're we're doing it in the workplace, just with how we work together, um, and we're working together trying to work together in ways that that really value other people um, and are, are putting their needs and challenges um, at a level that is just as important as our own. So it's so it's everything from from how we hold meetings to how we interact um, in, in, in group settings um, to, to how we work together on projects you know globally it's it's something that I think can be applied to, to every level and layer of our work. I think every leader knows at a certain extent that to be an effective leader, I need to build relationships with the people that I lead. But I think there can be a superficial way of approaching that, right? Yes, I'm spo- I'll, I will take you out to coffee. Uh, you know, Occasionally, I'll ask you how you're doing. But I expect the answer to be everything is fine so we can move on um, with our work. And one of the things that I appreciate a lot about peace players is those relationships run much deeper um, than that. There's an expectation almost that peace players, sometimes hard to live up to, <laughs> right? And sometimes that we, you know, we fall short of, is that seeing someone as a person isn't just asking how you're doing or isn't just saying, okay, occasionally we'll go and you know, have a coffee together, but that we're here to support you uh, whether that's in your professional goals or you know your personal goals, we're here to help help you grow and become the person that 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 you want to be, and, and that takes a level of investment in in time and and focus and energy that uh, it goes beyond the sort sort of superficial. So seeing people as people isn't just asking. I, I think this is sort of the, where it sort of breaks down. Isn't just asking, hey, you know, how you doing or you know, the occasional employee activity that we're going to do together. Um, it requires a different level of connection uh, and seeing the people that you work with that I think has been one of the hallmarks for, for peace players. And when it doesn't work, you see a pretty strong cultural reaction back, right? If someone in the organization isn't doing that, there's a pretty strong cultural reaction back. Yeah, and, and um, like you said, I mean, I think we're, we're starting to find ways that we can do that as part of our like policies and procedures as an organization. And, and sometimes you, you don't see the connection between seeing people as people and, um, you know, your policies, but even through like our performance management system, which we've done a lot of work on, right? It's, it's not just once a year anymore. We're checking in with employees um, three, four times a year, and we're trying to do it in a way that really lends itself to a productive conversation around like, not just where have I fallen short, but where do I need more support? Um, and where am I trying to go professionally? And how can we align the goals of the organization with the goals of the employee? Um, and so we're trying to provide space for that and not just rely on an employee to come to their manager to ask about it, but to really give people the space to have those conversations on a more regular basis because they're not always easy to, to initiate. Let's talk about that second value, inside-outside transformation. I know that uh, where I, you, you think about it at a, at a personal level with the young people you're talking about, it's about seeing in what ways they might add to or be participating in the conflict or w- how their biases or prejudices or what have you might actually be fueling the fire. 
at an organizational level, I always sort of think it sort of translates into this question that leaders ask all the time. One of the hardest things about being leaders, how do I hold my people accountable, right? For doing quality work for results. And the answer is it's really challenging as a manager to constantly be chasing around everybody and holding them uh, accountable. And so part of inside-outside transformation, at least at an organizational level, is how do I create a culture of self-accountability? And uh, I'm curious if you could talk talk to me about how you're going about trying to create that culture in the organization uh, of self-accountability. Sure. So, I mean... I think the first thing that comes to mind, just a little bit of an extension of what we were saying before, is just um, if you look at all of the all of the ways we're trying to hold our conversations around um, around performance and how we can support each other now, they're all done through self accountability. Like none of our conversations and none of the things that we do um, at Peace Players are meant to provide the space for like, hey, you did you did A, B, and C, and that's not right because of this. What we really want to try to promote is this culture of people identifying themselves where they've done well and where they're falling short and then giving their supervisor or their peers a chance to react to that. One, because it's, um, you know, it, it, it's much easier to have a productive conversation if you feel like other people see you and they're able to identify those things without you having to, to come down and tell someone. And also it makes the person less defensive um, if they're the ones who are calling those things out and then there's a conversation that that follows that. Um, so I think a lot of the kind of tools we use and the um, processes that we have and that that we're building are, are more towards the self-accountability. Another thing that we're doing that, um, besides the performance management is just, you know, we, we never emphasized our core values in the way that we're doing now. Everything is done now through our core values. So we we just implemented a new like core values training that is really specific for employees and helps them think through like, what does this mean in the workplace? Um, And it's not just tools around performance management, but how do you have a hard conversation with your manager? How do you approach a peer who you're having difficulties working with? Um, And all of the tools and kind of information and training that we're hope to give in is is giving people um, the ability to do that themselves and to initiate those conversations themselves through self-accountability rather than creating a culture of, you know, criticizing others and, and calling people out. This concept is is really throughout the Dangerous Love book as as turning first, right? The, the idea that when I'm in a conflict, um, I turn um, as a way to jumpstart the process of conflict transformation, but it's also a, a move as part of accountability. It's also a move about creating space for others uh, to be able to turn. There's something very magic about that. And it's really interesting when you go into a dysfunctional organization and you go office to office and ask them what's going on, the problem always exists outside the office that you're sitting in in the moment. Everybody can sort of tell you where other departments are struggling, where other where other problems sort of lie. And it's the same thing that happens when I'm doing mediation, right? When I come in and ask people what's going on, most people locate their conflicts outside themselves. It's my partner, it's my kids, it's my boss, it's, you know, all of those different things. And so how do you get, you know, to this mindset where I'm able to both see my, the the role that I play in these, and I'm willing to do something about it. And I think that's where the really courage comes in and, and dangerous love, and especially courageous within an organization, because I think there's cultures within organizations that say, if you make a mistake, hide it, cover your butt, 
Uh, make sure that nobody sees it. Find a way to blame it on somebody else or, or you know some other organization because the worst thing that you could do in an organization is to admit that you made a mistake and that, that it hurt the organization. Peace Players is trying to build a culture that actually says that that's not the worst um, mistake that you can make in an organization. The worst mistake would be the opposite, right? Which it would be to to hide it uh, from other people and and to... And the the thing is about whether we're going to be accountable, not just um, to the people that we work with, but also to the organization in general, that we're accountable for the results of the organization. We're not just accountable for our success within the organization, but we're accountable to the success of the organization. Yeah. And like a couple of things, um, you know, I think, and I think it comes from the top, you know, it's one thing to say um, that those things matter. It's another thing to show that they matter. And so, um, you know, we, we try to one measure that, but two, I think, um, I, I personally believe that like leadership showing that vulnerability is one of the single most important things you can do for your organization. Um, if I see my boss being able to admit mistakes or, or turn first, as you say, to love dangerously, like it makes me feel like that's okay. It's not only okay that I do it, but it's, it's encouraged and it's expected. And it's something that's important at this organization. Um, and I think that's, that's something that's really important and it, and it trickles down and people, people can see that. Let, let's talk about the third one because the magic for the third one happens when the first two things are happening. When I'm seeing someone as a person and I'm practicing inside, outside, uh, tr- you know, transformation, when I'm really holding myself accountable, when I'm really looking at what role I play within this team or in the system and I'm willing to lead out, it opens up space for that last one, right? Which is a culture of collaboration. This idea that we can work together. And one of the definitions I, I use for conflict in the book Dangerous Love is uh, that that conflict is our inability to collaboratively problem solve. Like we experience conflict when we can't do that. And so, peace players. This has been a really major initiative over the last eighteen months or so at, at peace players because you had these these different global entities that were all peace players, but at the same time were also operating somewhat independently um, of each other. And then you had this DC sort of office, right, where uh, where the global team was sort of operating. And, and there was at times tensions, which I think happens in lots of organizations, right, uh, b- between the two. And one of the tensions was, are we really collaborating together? Is everybody off doing their own thing? And, and how do you make that happen when you have diverse interests, when you have uh, diverse goals um, within organizations? So I, I'm really curious if you could talk a little bit about what culture of collaboration has looked like at Peace Players, especially over the last year or so, where I think you've made some major strides in, in making that happen uh, at an organizational level. Yeah, no, I, th- I think um, we we definitely realized like although we were one global organization, we um, you know we operated very independently. And one of the really cool things that has happened over the last year and a half is that we have worked together uh, much more collaboratively than we we ever have in the past. And I think we understand there are certain things that are um, you know goals of a local program and things that they're doing that don't necessarily um, always connect to global but there once we kind of started to have these conversations and engage everyone in the conversation right that's the first step is you have to you have to ask other people and bring more people to the table to start to talk about um, you know where is the disconnect where are ways we can collaborate better and what what has happened over the last year and a half has been really remarkable um, 
you know, we've created global committees. So decision-making doesn't, doesn't just exist in one place anymore. It's not, you know, we don't even really have, well, we really don't have a DC office right now. What the DC office transformed into is, is a global support team. And that global support team is slowly becoming more representative of our actual global organization. And there's a global leadership leadership team now. It's not just one person making decisions in the organization. It's the leader from every site that are able kind of to connect on calls and, and have conversations. Um, but people are like more than just leadership, like people are connecting more across sites than they ever have been before. We've had employees, um, you know, like in the finance department who worked in one, two different sites and they had never met each other and they'd both been at the organization for over five years. Um, so what we've done is to create these global committees, um, you know, by department, marketing, communications, development, culture, where we're really bringing people together from every site to create common goals for one another um, and work on those things together, making decisions together. Now, of course, in some cases, there has to be a decision maker, um, you know, at the end of the chain, but we realized we, you know, we weren't really weren't utilizing our, our talent and our skills as an organization, everything that we had to offer because not everybody was engaged in the conversation. So it's been really neat to see people working across sites in ways they never had before, sharing learnings that that's been huge. You know, we faced this, what did you face? And really having people um, work together across departments to, to come up with global goals and initiatives. And I think we found it's moved us forward at a much quicker pace than we could have ever imagined or ever worked, you know, when we were working in the silos in our, in our sites. Um, and it makes people feel more a part of a global organization. It makes people feel more connected. Um, and I think it makes people care more about, about the mission and just being part of peace players in general. One of the things that uh, we talk a lot about in this context is the long, short way or the short, long way. And one of the things that I hear a lot about collaboration is people start to, there's the deep side, that is going to take forever. Right, there's going to be so much more work. Are you telling me? And and it's there's some truth to it, right? There's a, a bunch of committees that have to be created. There's extra time spent uh, during the day bringing people together to get that feedback, to get that input. Input, but I call that the long short way, right? In collaboration, you do all of this work on the front end, right? To make sure that people's voices are heard, to make sure that you're capturing diverse um, beliefs and attitudes. And it, it filters into a final product that is actually strong and, and works really well. You can do it the other way, which is what I call the short, long way, which is one person does it, they figure it out, then they launch it out, and then all the problems start to bubble up and people are resistant to it and they feel, don't feel like it's going to work for them or their voice wasn't heard, so they're just going to be resistant on it, even if it is a good idea. Um, you didn't have those diverse opinions coming in to actually maybe point out where there might be flaws in your in your idea or what have you. And, and then you spend all this time sort of cleaning up a mess um, afterwards. And, and so, you know, you hear this a lot. And I think it's also true in relationships. I don't want to put in the energy, time, effort, or I don't even have it. I don't even have the bandwidth for it to collaborate. Uh, but as a conflict mediator, I, I look back and I say, you actually don't have the time to do the opposite. Uh, you, you don't have the time that your organization is constantly spent in conflict, conf, constantly spent trying to pick up the pieces, constantly spent trying to patch holes, that your everything about your job will improve when you get it right on the front end 
as opposed to having to sort of fix it uh, on the back end. And I think Peace Players is starting to start to see some of the fruits of that now uh, in that when we're collaborating together, our product is stronger and it, it, spent, it means less time having to do the conflict resolution part. Yeah, for sure. And, and, and even a step further, we realized too, um, you know, just relationship building and getting people together and having them connect across sites is, is so invaluable. And in addition to all the work we're doing, um, you know, with the committee structure. And so even where, where we're, where are we investing time and money and, and bringing people together on a more regular basis, obviously in the past, you know, nine months, that's been pretty much impossible, um, you know, with, with COVID, but it's something that we're thinking a lot about for the future um, and, and really just how important it is. And even as you say all that, the long, short way, short, long way, it's what we do with our youth as well. We, we all know that long-term engagement is, is a key part of our success, is a key part of changing those perceptions. And, and again, it's as staff members, we have to be able to live the same things that we're asking our youth to do um, on a regular basis. And you're, and you're right. And we're starting to see the benefits of that. And it, and it isn't easy. <laughs> there are frustrations about that way as well. But I think, um, I think in the end, it is, it is a much, much better uh, to way to, a, to, a, to approach organizational and a strong organizational culture. Brene's Brown, Brene Brown's book, Dare to Lead, was really an influential book for me. And I actually uh, was inspired by one of the exercises that she has in her book and put it in Dangerous Love. And we and you and I have been doing this exercise quite a bit with peace players lately. And I, I want to give give every our listeners a tool. If you're thinking about, okay, what's the next step? Well, how do I how do I do that? And she does a values exercise that essentially identifies what uh, what our core values are. And she has a long list in her book of, of what those values could be for an organization like Peace Players, where, who, which has already chosen their values. Th- those are already there. And so they're operating off that. But then she asked this question, what are like three behaviors that I could do to live into that value uh, every day? And what would be three behaviors that would betray that value? If I was doing this, it would be sort of the opposite, for example, of seeing people as people. And then choosing one that as an individual or as an organization, I'm going to work on on that value. I'm going to I'm going to work on improving this uh, this. So it goes from values, which I think is sort of out there uh, a little bit, right, to to something that's really grounded in. Here's a behavior that reflects that that value. And dangerous love isn't just a a feeling that we have towards um, someone else. It actually requires action. It actually requires behavioral responses. Um, to it uh, in return, and you know, Jamie, you could maybe you could just uh, wrap us up today by talking about how that exercise has been going because you, you've you've done it in several settings right now uh, about that values exercise and what what the sort of outcome of something like that is. Yeah, I mean, it's been going really well, and I think it's such a key component of um, having the people and employees in your organization understand core values. One thing we talk about at Peace Players is that. Our core values are our core values. They're not going to change. They should be our guiding light, but it looks different from our youth to our coaches, to our staff. And so to take it a step further and really challenge people with, with those questions that you just talked about, um, it really makes, it really has made people think like, oh, seeing people as people, this might be as simple as letting someone know if I'm going to be late to a meeting, you know, or it might be as, as, as difficult as, um, you know, to, admitting to someone that I've been really struggling with something outside of work and, and here's why I haven't been able to produce these things. Um, 
And so, you know, the behaviors are kind of fall all over the spectrum, but it just even asking those questions, especially in group settings and, and generating that conversation and getting people to, um, to really think about that and identify how you live into those is, is really, really important, both on the what they look like and what they don't look like, uh, because it really isn't always easy to translate the values to action. It's, it sometimes can be difficult. So I think it's important for organizations to engage employees in those conversations and, and ask um, and not just, not just tell, right. But get people's opinions and, and thoughts on that. Um, Cause I think they can, you know, they can come across on various different levels. She's Jamie Asante Asari, director of operations for peace players, still sinking threes. Uh, after, after all of these years, uh, I, I can personally witness uh, for our listeners because I've been able to work with Jamie closely. She embodies these values in, in such powerful ways and how she works. And it's been really cool to see um, the implementation and how it's worked at Peace Players. And if you're thinking about, okay, how does this, how does this work at my organization? Or frankly, it's the same exercise, by the way, you could do at home. Uh, if that's where it really is important to you or in a community organization, a community meeting that you might be having together and sort of thinking about what are the values that our community holds and how do we live into them better as an organization. It has a huge effect uh, in helping things go right uh, within your organization, within your family, uh, within your community, and is a really powerful embodiment of dangerous love. So thanks for being on the podcast uh, with us today, Jamie. Really appreciate your wisdom and insight. Thank you, Chad. An honor to be here. You've been listening to the Dangerous Love Podcast. Aloha. Aloha.